Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. We're here to bring you all the important views and outdated news from the beer world. Kick it right off with news like we always do. Bit of drama at beloved brewery Trillium in America. We should preface this by saying not 100% substantiated, although because of the reply... It would seem like... Yeah, one could understand that that's probably somewhat accurate. So essentially... This comes off a post on Beer Advocates, yep. which has now been deleted uh, from next employee, essentially just talking about how wages, benefits have been cut and, you know, usual lovely US labor stuff, but more perhaps worryingly on the beer front, um, at least, you know, in terms of us as consumers of the product, is uh, they had their Mexican Sunrise beer and there was accusations of whole bottles of tequila being poured in to yeah, get the flavour. Which makes a lot of sense because there was a lot of talk about how did you get this much tequila in this beer? And, <laughs> and this wasn't... Uh, the response didn't necessarily say... Didn't really mention it, which it sort, sort of... Sort of ignored that. Yeah, <laughs> which leads to the maple. And they sort of... They have this frozen beer program at Trillium, which I don't know, actually know a lot about, but apparently they use the very trubby and... I think it's oh. basically a Slurpee machine and it's just on site and has beer and fruit yeah, juice for some I, reason. I think so. And also that they fill growlers with really the trubbiest of the trub and the get the good stuff goes to the cans and Yeah, with the hope that the trub kids will settle if you leave them for a few days and Which is kind of what they said in their response, which is kind of <sighs> worrying because that's not really okay. You shouldn't just. You just shouldn't be selling that beer. We don't yeah. even bottle our trubby homebrew. <laughs> no, no. But when you're making trub juice, for want of a better word, you know, in a neba, there's just so much trub. I suppose you've got to do it's, something yeah, with it. You've got to. You've got to. I guess, but it's just. It's tough to reconcile with the prices they charge. And yeah, I think that's the demand the... is like obviously there, and it's just. You're not really getting cheaper products or anything for getting a slightly inferior product and it does lead to a lack of consistency and... But does it keep the price down for the good cans? Maybe. By them being able to sell the trubby stuff and crowlers. I think the cans are pretty, you know, aren't really cheap anyway. No, I don't think so. But are they cheaper? Possibly, possibly. Uh, You would think that they are making pretty good money in general. Um so it's, I guess that's one of why it's hard to reconcile poor treatment and poor treatment of their own beer in some cases with... And yet they gave their staff a 40% pay cut, arguably yes. when their hype's at its biggest. Apparently it was a mistake, an accidental thing, and then they just didn't reconcile it. This is what they said in their apology or response. Uh, I'll quote directly. This year, when planning to staff our newest location, we made the mistake of resetting all employees' hourly wage to $5 an hour instead of leaving the tenured folk where they were. But that's sort of... Surely that would have been brought to their attention by some of the staff and they would have just changed it. They haven't changed it back. There's been no intention to change it back. So that's quite clearly a lie, I would suggest. Or Or they just don't care. They say the staff like it, but... The staff are... If the staff have taken a 40% pay cut, have they really? Well, they made them reapply for the same job as well, and it's just... It's a lot of dirty stuff, and it's kind of... That sounds like a mess. I'm glad we have some workplace relation laws here that sort of protect people from this. The thing is, Trillium are trying to do this under the American server laws, but these Mm. people aren't servers. These are... They're more retail tap room workers. It's not the same as being waitstaff. 
Wait staff right. has a very specific set of rules, and yep. they're trying to pay them like wait staff, but they are pouring drinks behind a bar. It's not the same thing. Right, okay. And that's where the issue kind of comes in. You can't really do that. You can't have it both ways. Like, you can't just suddenly, like, go to your mechanic and say, you're a server, you know, I'm going to yeah. pay you $2 an hour, and if the customer tips you, then which is okay. a stretch, yeah. obviously, in terms of the metaphor, but, you know, you understand the slippery sort of road it goes down, and... I mean, Trillium may have financial trouble. Maybe I doubt it. I would doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my... Un- but you would think that maybe they could come clean about that if that was the case. And if not, then it just seems like poor behaviour that is not going to get fixed, I don't think. No, I, I, I think that response is pretty weak and I don't think anything's happening. <laughs> and I don't think their sales are going to drop off, sadly. Uh, it, it, the it's, demand the, is enough that I think the uh, people who are outraged by this probably don't make up a big enough percentage of the people, yeah, of their customers who who want to line up and buy trub cans and uh, yeah. and they do have lines and they do sell out very quickly. So I imagine there's people who are like happy to overlook the sort of more wage issues. It's like, well, I will now get my trillium as opposed to. I think it's more people who have even a, a vague connection or care for the industry like us and probably many of our listeners that would probably... And really, we don't really have to worry about Trillium being an accessible thing. It's more just an interesting look into... You hear about breweries like Treehouse and Tight Hands mm. and New Belgium's another one and you, they charge quite a bit. They have sort of similar releases, not so much New Belgium, but yeah. um, they treat their employees incredibly well. They're yeah. kind of famous for doing that. Um and they're basically, it's justifiable that they charge a bit more if their employees are doing well, the customers are happy, everyone's happy. Whereas this sort of seems like Trillium owners are happy. It is a business, but I think in the craft community looks down upon those who do not treat their employees who are most yeah. likely big craft beer fans. Correctly. And yeah. utilizing your prestige to underpay employees is just never a good thing. No. It's like offering unpaid internships at a big magazine and stuff. It's just not cool. It's... It's dirty and it's something that we would like to not see in craft beer. I think so. I think that's the main take at home. It's like it's not necessarily illegal, but it's really on the sort It's just icky. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. And it's one of those things with the, you know, proliferation of quality hazy beers in America, like could be something that would hurt them long term. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have thought short term, but it's one of those things where they'd probably want to smarten up eventually. Yeah. And like you said, just makes you happy that... They get paid something in Australia. Exactly. <laughs> On to the next bit of news. Uh, the Wigan Pen Brew Pub in Canberra. It's been in operation for 25 years, which is sort of most of the reason probably why it has fame. It's only a small six hectolitre system. They rarely package beers. They yep. packaged an Imperial Stout last year, which was one of their first releases in quite a while. Uh, so Lockie McComish, the owner, has put it up for sale, basically saying, I'm 67 years old. I love this place, but... You know, I'm it's old. about time. Yeah. And so the intriguing thing is where it goes from here because 25 years is a long time in craft beer. We were talking yeah. about Matilda Bay last week and that stacks up. A 25-year-old brew pub sort of is, old. is in that region. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. That adds very old by Australian standards. And in a in Canberra, which mm. is somewhat of a... Was until quite recently somewhat of a craft beer wasteland. Yes. Like a bit of a dry zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's improved now with... Canberra. Maybe he feels like enough has... Enough, you know, with Capital and uh, Ben Spoke. Ben Spoke. And he's just like, they can, they don't need me anymore. But um, I'm sure, uh, hopefully it does well and hopefully whoever takes over it will. I hope someone keeps the brand as well. Yeah, like that would be nice. It would be nice for something, someone similar to come in and just run it. It'd be great to see like a young sort of 
you know, crew of people like take it over and keep the small setup at least perm- like temporarily. And yeah. Yeah. I just, I like, I've always been a fan of those small setups and I thought it was worth mentioning just because of, it's been a good innings from Lockie McComish. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, very well done. I've been there and it's worthwhile. Nice. Yeah. Worthwhile visiting. Uh, onto a sad of it news. Uh, Marco Bona, the owner and head brewer of Libation Army passed away suddenly which is very sad news. Uh, many South Australian breweries, Pirate Life, Prancing Pony, Little Bang, Big Boys, have put up kegs, uh, sort of like, kind of like they do with uh, Karma kegs oh, yeah. for a lot of charities. So this is just to raise money for his family because obviously he's quite young. Yeah. They moved over from England three years ago, apparently. Oh, really? So yeah. He was very well liked in the industry. Yep. Uh, Bridge Road and Hawkers have also chipped in from interstate. And yeah, just worth mentioning because it's um, always a sad bit of news and South Australian breweries all quite upset about the news from what I hear. Um, so yeah, rest oh. in peace, Marco. It's yeah, exactly. It's always sad to hear about anyone passing away young, especially exactly. in the community when you're sort of, yeah. When you're involved in the community. And, it's, and it is good the way the community does rally mm. in these sort of scenarios where... Something you don't see as much with the wine industry and such. Like It's no. definitely where... It's a bit more of a close-knit industry, and it's good to see. Bad Shepherd released their Victoria Pale Ale, which just sort of continues the furfyish movement of very, very state-central beers. The reason we're bringing it up is because it's the first beer to use the Melbourne ale yeast on sort of a larger scale. As far as I know, I may be wrong. Feel free to tell, send in corrections if you know. I know that plenty of homebrewers have used it. Uh, the reason I bring it up is just because it's nearly 100 years old, was basically extinct. Peter Simons, who wrote Bronze, Bronze Brews. Yeah, who yep. you have that? Book? Yeah, I have that. It's a good and read. Yeah, he went, I think he saw it in a museum in London, at a yeast museum. And, and resurrected it. Yeah, with White Labs. And yeah. so I think it is now available via White Labs. I've seen it available on a homebrew level, and so it would make sense that you can make a commercial bottle yeah. of it. And apparently it is very much a... Brewers have been very impressed by its, how clean it is, but also how versatile it is. So, you know, clean and versatile is a, a good little combo to have. Next up in the docket is uh, the Good Beer Week and Independent Brewers Association merger. And I am not totally across this, so I yep. thought I'd pass it over to you. You probably understand the implications of it a bit more. I don't see a huge issue. I've seen a bit of um, social media chat about does this rule out people like Pirate Life from Good Beer Week and things like that? They pretty clearly stated from what I saw that it wouldn't affect Good Beer Week. Correct. Yeah. Well, they're both non-for-profit organisations. Yeah. Uh, they're just pooling resources from what I understand. Yeah. Basically, we've now got two non-for-profit organisations merging into one and so we can better utilise the skills of what the people we have in these two. I highly <laughs> doubt they would mess with the winning formula that is Good Beer Week. No, it to... would make no sense to them to... Because a lot of the big breweries do good mainstream events that I'll, that will bring people in to get yeah. proper craft beer. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be, I don't think they're silly enough to do that. No, no, I just don't think it would have an impact. To and then any. apart from that, you sort of see it as a good thing generally, or oh. you don't really see it as anything? <laughs> I don't see the problem. Yeah. Like, um, then it remains to be seen the positive. Yeah, remains to be seen what happens. Yeah. You know, but on the whole, I would think merging the resources of these two there's admin roles that could be covered by one person for both yeah. sort of sort of thing. Like I think that they were probably spending money on stuff that they didn't need. Yes. <laughs> you know, but that if they combined, they wouldn't need. And anything that sort of allows 
two organizations doing positive things to sort of join up and do them better. It should be more efficient this way, which should mean that we end up with a better industry as well. And if it maybe allows, if as a side effect, it allows more small independent breweries to get a chance at good beer week, yeah. not necessarily saying excluding the big ones, but allows the other end of the spectrum, allows the small ones to get bit more of a go at it then that's not possibly through an independent brewers thing yes yes maybe an event maybe there is an independent brewers event and then that's fine yeah i think as long as you're not taking things away because it's only getting bigger and Mm. i don't think it doesn't sound like they're going to do that i just feel it's to make both organizations work better in doing what they're what they're already doing and what they're good at which is promoting beer yes that's that's a good way to put it and in the end that's all it comes down to and i think there's no reason for fear and can always revisit this if there is. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think we won't really see the results until at least after next year's Good Beer Week and possibly even longer than that. Yeah, well, the applications had finished before the merger. Okay. They finished on the 31st of October and the merger was on the 2nd, Something like roughly. That. So I don't think it will be a factor next year, but maybe... And I think it's been a long time coming. Yeah. The, I think these discussions have been going on for years sort of thing. Probably some similar stuff. In there yeah. And, yeah. While we're on, I guess, not so much big breweries, but in the rough topic of big breweries, mm. uh, Little Creatures of Open Furphy Hall event space in Geelong. The main reason I bring this up is just because it's interesting that they're expanding and it's also interesting that the Furphy has sort of allowed them to expand in terms of like their visitor presence they're allowed to have. And So is it at the same... Yes. It's just an extra sort of hall where they can have events and also have extra people in there and stuff and... I would say that it's a good little bit of slice of proof of what the Furphy brand has done with Little Creatures brand. Yeah. And uh, it also is something that Little Creatures Geelong now has that Western Australian... Doesn't have? Yes. And that's kind of... Do you reckon... Is it going... I haven't seen much about this. Is it going to be sort of like the old Little Creatures Hall in Brunswick? I'm actually not sure. Yeah. Um, I know that their current setup is like a big warehouse yeah. thing, and that's it's not great to drink in, to be honest. So if this is more of an intimate thing, that would be nice. Cool. And that's, yeah, not really much more to say about that. Um, other big brewery-owned brewery, that's an awkward thing to say. Yep. <laughs> big outfit-owned brewery, Panhead, uh, opening a tap room in London, which I just kind of found interesting because they've only just come back in Australia after yep. a long hiatus. And It's a cool brand, though. It is. <laughs> I think they'll do well. It's just interesting that Lion have obviously realised we should do something with this. I think there's a very there's a bit of a love for sort of antipodium things in yes. London at the moment. So probably plenty of expats too. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. So if it's Kiwi for Australians, it might as well be Australian. Exactly, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, I don't know where they're opening. Are they opening? Do you know where they're opening? Or? Oh, London, as yeah. far as I know. Um, yeah, they don't have details of the site. Or anything. Not yet. It's, yeah. um, but they've put down, basically put down permits and stuff as far okay, as I know. Cool. I'm not actually, I probably could find the site. Yeah. I don't know enough about geography of London yeah. to, for it to mean anything to me, to be honest. That's probably why I didn't put it in there. Um, so we're on to the, not accidentally, we're on to the final bit of news, which is Slow Beer Richmond closing. Uh, you probably have a lot more to say about this than I do, but I'll just quickly... Say that slow beer is one of those places where, when I was getting into craft beer, if I wanted a general spread of things, I would go to Purvis. But slow beer was went where I went for serious craft beer, and mm. we went and had a beer there oh, a couple months ago, something like that. Yeah, and 
Yeah, it's still a great little spot, and obviously I'm sure you have a million fond memories there. Well, yeah, it's sort of... I remember when he moved from the Hawthorne store to the Richmond store. I didn't even know he was in Hawthorne. Yeah, up, up Bridge Road, sort of near the corner of... Okay. It'll come to me. Up near Hawthorne train station. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the area. Yeah. Yeah, so I... Slow beer, the brand's not gone. He's moved yeah. to... Still in... Still Fitzroy store is still open. Yeah, we should exactly. clarify that. Um, but I think Chris has just moved. Uh, he's going to be up there now instead of at Richmond all the time. Yeah. And I should point out, you probably won't say this because you're too modest, but you noticed a real estate listing probably nine, ten months ago. Uh, it maybe was a long time ago. It was yeah. a while ago. And you were like, I reckon this is slow beer. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been up for sale as the, I think they're taking it, you can, according to that listing, you could take a... Did not uh, name Slow Beer, obviously, that's why. No, that's no, why I it mentioned was a Richmond bar. Be less impressive store if or Angus saw an ad for Slow Beer selling, you're like, I reckon they're selling yeah. Slow Beer. Um, no, so it was the tap, all the equipment yes. in there. Um, it's basically just Take over the lease. Yeah. Don't keep the brand. Yes. Is I think what. And so that's, uh, so Slow Beer is still definitely around. Yeah. And um, we will talk about their replacement now. Next segment, the Scouting Report. Mm. Scouting reports. We, uh, you went down to Beer 360 to follow on from our slow beer conversation. Yep. And how I mentioned it wasn't coincidental. Uh, that has the store that has replaced it, I believe. Yep. You went and had a look. Yeah, I did. So it was closed for a week, I think, from when, maybe not even, I think slow beer's last day was last Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they opened yesterday afternoon. Um, and as you can imagine, not a lot has changed. <laughs> oh, well, um, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. No, no. So they've painted the, for those who know Slow Beer, they've painted above the shelving black. They've taken the bottles off the top of the shelving. Yeah. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so it felt like going to Slow Beer, basically. Yeah, it's Slow Beer. It's rebranded Slow Beer, basically. Um, there was a bit, I don't of, love a bit the of a. Name. No, neither do it's I. A bit nothing. Yeah. I thought sort of the same thing. And the logo's a bit the same. It sort of looks like a generic. Yeah. Like almost you bought that offline, you know, off. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Um, yeah, so this, uh, they've also bought the stock. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what it looks like in a few weeks when they make some stock decisions. Probably depend on what sells. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, like they did seem to have quite a bit more of easy drinking stuff at the front, which yeah. I think they must have bought. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to see if Slow Beer's usual reps keep going there or if they get a, a new... A different crowd. Yeah, trying to push their stuff in. Yeah, I, I thought it was worth checking out. Still, They still had taps going? Yeah, still four taps. Uh, I think they're still doing the charcuterie boards. I think there was a bigger selection of spirits that you could have. 
I imagine there was definitely something behind the counter. Yeah. I didn't quite take in what was. There yeah. was something on the wall. Imagine Chris has probably given them a few hints, or they might be, you know, slow beer fans. Who knows? They seem like beer fans. Like I bought two beers to take away. Yeah. And got sort of nodding yeah. looks at what I was buying. Oh, that's good. Maybe that's because they didn't think they'd ever sell one of them. But... <laughs> um, so, yeah, not a lot's changed so far. For now, yeah. Um, but I think it would be worth a revisit in two, three months. and Yeah, have another look at it. and See if anything's yeah. happened. Just, uh, I guess, a bit of a public service announcement then in just saying there is still a beer shop at Slow Beer. <laughs> yeah, so I can still go somewhere and buy beer on my way home on a Friday. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't have to change my routine. I can still go there. And hopefully it will stay, you know, the quality will there, keep up. There are a lot of people in there. Oh, good. So whether that was people like me going to check it out on the first day. May well have been or, a new shop. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, all the best. And, you know, uh, if this helps Slow Beer stay around in perpetuity or at least a bit, you know, a while longer than going to one space seems Logical. Smart. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to Slow Beer Fitzroy. I have a couple of times. It's much bigger. Yeah. Um, there's a Which much, maybe... There's a much bigger focus on drinking in-store. Yeah. Um, so there's six taps. There's a really cool upstairs area, which has got couches and stuff like that. So it's possible that, you know, Richmond, Slovia wasn't even bleeding money. It was more maybe just wanted to focus, always wanted to do more of the bar kind of thing. Yeah, but there's still a big bottle shop aspect. Yeah. Like it's... it's sort a, of Mr. I think West-esque. it's a bigger range. No, not quite. So less taps, but... Six taps at uh, yeah. Slow Beer. It, it's like Slow Beer, but with more seating. Okay. Basically. That doesn't sound bad. Yeah. No, it's good. I do like going to Slow Beer for a beer. It's not really something that... You wouldn't go out just to have beers at Slow Beer, but it's a it's in such a good spot, that Richmond spot. It's a good stop-off point. I'll yeah. Think. So if I think if 360 can keep that up, have a decent tap list, certainly somewhere you can swing by on the way when you're walking from yeah. Gang to Mountain go to whatever, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that's that's about it for the scouting. Yeah, I don't have... Everyone should Not know where it is. Everyone yeah. who's in Melbourne will know where that is. Yeah. And if you're not, it's just Bridge Road, Richmond, between Wheat Gang and Mountain Gang. Exactly. Just said. Yeah. But just do a direct walk and you can't miss it. Uh, Beer360 on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And we will probably try to revisit this at some point. Yep. And, uh, yeah, back in a tick. Back with what we're drinking. We're drinking a bit. Don't know. If What's been... changed? Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know, maybe hasn't been as crazy. No. It's been a... Not a quiet, but... It hasn't been a lot on. No, it's a time of year. It's sort of consolidation period. It's a quiet time leading up to the, the madness that is December. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, January, February fly by and then you've got good beer week events trickling in even you know because they start well before the actual from the gala onwards you yeah. get two months of try to get us tickets to that again by the way <laughs> then we'll have something to talk about and what we're drinking or will we we'll be like, yeah we, we had a million beers <laughs> we drank some stuff uh but we did go to well speaking of the gala we went to, we went to beer deluxe we did went to fed square and we went to firestone walkers roll out the barrel event hosted by the charismatic and very noisy Adrian Walker himself. 
and we I'll just list what we had quickly and then we can get into it a bit more. So we had Pivo Pills, Bretta Rose, Sour Opal, Little Opal, Agrestic, Parabola, Sticky Monkey. It was well-timed again. I think it was another successful run event by Beer Deluxe and I'm yep. becoming more impressed with each event. I think the first one was like, okay, this is awesome. Will it happen again? Firestone was probably even better. We got the value for money was probably like certain, was yeah, definitely better because they said they said five beers and we got seven. Yeah, and they had discounts for the bottles, which had all sold out by the time I went to buy some. But that was it. Was certainly not a you got your money's worth very much. So much well, like just last like time. what we said last time. Yeah. It's like you're getting far more than what you pay for. And you can really see that the Beer Deluxe guys really want this to work and they're really keen on it. And Well, like two out of two winners for me now. Yeah, and they said they're going to try to do it monthly and Which I can be see cool. myself. I could see myself trotting along monthly. Yeah, it's not that most hard months. to get down there. And no, and it's really tough to go out and drink good beer on a, <laughs> on a weeknight. Oh. It's terrible to have an excuse to do that. So did you have, do you have a pick of the evening? Uh, yeah, my pick... I think is the Bretta Rose. Uh, so with Raspberry American Wild Ale. Yeah, very Rose de Gambrinus-esque. Yeah. Um, especially in the Raspberry. It's more aggressive than that. It's an Americanized Rose yeah. de Gambrinus. So that's the Cantillon beer, as most would know, but just in case, that's their mm. Framboise. So that will probably give you an idea of the, the territory it sits in. I thought very much it was in that territory too, where we both sort of came yep. to that conclusion. I actually would normally 100% agree with you, but I think I enjoyed Parabola more. That was going to be my... That was what I was going to clarify with. That would be number two, I reckon. And the only reason I sort of, yeah, bring it up is just because it's very strange for me to lean that direction. Yeah, um, it would normally be me leaning yeah, towards the stout and you towards the... I just thought it was so delicious. But perhaps the best thing we had was that date ice cream with the sticky monkey oh. quad poured over it. Uh, which which was, was, the date ice cream was okay by itself. Yeah. The quad was excellent yeah. by itself, but the combination. Yeah, oh. it was really, really stunning oh. stuff. And again, we should probably say the food was great, like last time. Yep. And... I reckon there was a little less, There maybe? was, definitely. Uh, but not so much a terrible thing. That was still a meal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and... And it could have actually been, seemed like less because we were drinking bigger beers. Yes. And... <laughs> Adrian uh, is quite a character and was very insistent that beers kept coming out, probably at a faster pace than the Beer Deluxe guys wanted. It was also a very different event to the Beer Deluxe one, in part because of Adrian. Yes. Because Adrian didn't stop talking for two and a half hours. There was no time for us to talk, whereas, yeah, Mayday Hills was very much, let's chat about this, let's quietly ask questions. Adrian was just yelling and... I'm going to tell you stuff for two and a half hours. (laughs) I'm going to preach the gospel of Firestone Walker. And it was remarkably entertaining. Like, mildly exhausting, but it helps when you have great beer. And he was great. Like, he obviously has a lot of respect for the Australian beer scene. And I loved him saying that his favourite beer over here was Bolted Pilsner. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, I could see a few faces looking shocked in the crowd. But honestly, you know, a lot of people say brewers love lagers. Mm. And I was like, it's so good to hear that beer get a good rap. Yeah. And he seems to have a lot of respect. I think he said Australia was by far the second best, most That's advanced what he said. craft country in the world. Which, which was cool. I wouldn't have thought so, but I'll agree. I'll take his word for it. He would know better than me. Well, he, he's he been around more than... Mm. 
Um, I think he was also basing that a lot on the reception sours get yeah, in Australia. Yeah, he was very impressed by the Australian sour drinking numbers, reception, how excited we got for it. So to anyone out there, keep drinking sours. They are, they do notice. Yep. And, and there's more Firestone Walker coming. Yeah. Uh, he sort of not so much wouldn't commit to cans or anything, but it definitely sounds like We're generally the, more stuff. Yeah, more stuff. And yeah, he seemed to have a good time. We all had a great time. It was a good event. Firestone's beers are excellent. Yep. Highly recommend you try to seek them out. Um, they are on the pricier end of the spectrum, which is why an event like this was so great. But I think they justify the price. After that, I would suggest so. Yeah. yeah. So I think... Because neither of us had been deep... We'd had some of their bigger beers, but neither of us had been deep into their sales, like their wild ales. No, I'd had sort of... I'd had Parabola. I'd had yes. Sukaba, I think. Yes. And, and they were the two I'd had as well. And I'd had another one of the big stouts. Velvet Merkin or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But not really like any of the Opals or anything? No. None of the sours. And I was in the same boat, and I was impressed with all of them. They're very... It really depends on if you like wild ales or Euro sours like Lambics and things more. And I probably it's, lean more towards the latter. But yep. they were very good American wild ales. Like top shelf American wild ales. I would they say. were very well produced American wild ales. Yes. They didn't have that sort of rampant, aggressive set tartness. Well, was, some of them were pretty chill. Like yeah. they had a little opal and aggressive back to back. So little opal is a smaller version of sour. Opal, which is their straight American wild yep. ale. And aggressive is their Flanders reddish... Red Ale, American Wild Ale. It's very malty. Yes. And neither of them were particularly sour. No. Uh, like for American Wild Ales, because you just expect that unrestrained kick in the teeth sourness. Yep. Um, but that was, yeah. They, they, they were, were not well an yeah. And yeah, they clearly had some level of restraint in there. Yeah. Anything else you want to add with that? Or you... I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was pretty happy with the event too. And hopefully we'll have... Some more feedback for you in future events and hopefully Bitter Lux keeps putting out this interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, as I said before, two from two. Um, yeah. And I'd definitely go back. And sat next to the owners of Thunder Road. Which yeah. Was, an interesting chat. Yeah. And also great to see the bigger breweries actually giving out, having a go, like uh, trying this stuff. Well, I learned a lot about Thunder Road that I didn't know beforehand. Yeah. And I think, yeah, me too. Yeah. And... I think they probably learned a lot too. I think both. so. And he seemed genuinely, and his wife, and both his wife. Seemed, yeah, and they were both very nice people. Yeah. Highly doubt they are anywhere near listening to this, but it was. Um, if you are, we had a good time. Yes, it was. It's worth worth mentioning just for anyone who may sort of look down on Thunder Road that they are they're having a go. They're out there having yeah. a look, and it's great. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about what we're drinking. I'm not sure if you had anything else, but I want to talk about Mountain Goats Goat Lager. Which, mm-hmm. did you get around having that? Have not had one yet. So it's... Looks cool. Can's good. Can's great, yeah. Retro, uh, sort of orange and blue, which is kind of what I think of, you know, steam ale, summer ale, that's kind of the colour palette I think yeah. of Mountain Goat. I think my... I've seen people talking down a bit. Very much my opinion is it fits very well in that range. It is brewed off-site, so it is not... A you know it's not one of their special releases mm-hmm. or anything. This is obviously going to be added in there alongside summer pale steam, and I very much think if you made steam ale lager, then this is what it would be. Cool, good cool. body, lightly fruity hops, very very smashable, well priced. People, especially online in the Australian craft beer 
community don't understand good lager. No, and this is a good lager. Yes. This is a, a clean, fruity... It's definitely a New World lager. Yep. But that's fine. Um, I, I will drink plenty more of it. Yep. And I encourage people to drink it and remember what you're drinking. Not everything is a double IPA. Not everything is an Imperial Stout. Lagers are a more requ- style that requires more finesse, both from the brewer and the person drinking it, if you want to evaluate it critically, I think. Yep. Uh, if you're not just closing your eyes and tossing it back because it's 35 degrees outside, you do have to remember you're drinking a lager, I think, anyway. Yeah. And craft lagers have gotten better, so I think it says something that I think this is a good beer with the quality of craft lagers increasing because we had both had a filter lager which we were very impressed with yeah it was very good uh and that's just one of many good craft lagers that are going around at the moment yeah the one beer i'd like to mention yep is i went down to stomping ground the other day when Mm. we had a bit of a our server was down at work (laughs) couldn't do anything (laughs) why not popped around the corner just had a gip street pale for the movember yep thing at the brewery it's tasting phenomenal it's tasting very good out of cans too yeah yeah it's a very good pale ale yeah and it's a good cause we should all get behind we should although this is probably out after the end of november for next year yeah they but are pretty consistent. keep in mind <laughs> buy the beer year round it's great yes <laughs> encourage them to keep doing this yeah and they also they have a fijoa sour just about to come out which is worth mentioning because I love Fijoas and I have loved... They're so good. I love watermelon, I love guava, and I uh, that's their other two sales, and I also love Fijoa, so keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be a winner. <laughs> keep imagine, you know, keep making beers out of my favourite fruits. Mm. I'll be much appreciative. Ah, oh, I think we're done. I think we're done here. That's... Uh, cannot really think of much else that we have been drinking. We've been drinking a lot, but there's not really any... Well, I've got one more, but we'll mention it later. Okay. <laughs> Uh, We'll be back in a moment with what we're brewing. We are back with what we're brewing. Remarkably, it's a brew day again. Feel like we had fallen back on that, and listeners are probably like, what are you you talking about like you always say you don't brew very much but it's always a brew day (laughs) well we're coming into some we need some actual yeah we do need some stuff in the fridge um we were just commenting on just cracked opener one of the esbs we mentioned last podcast and we're like it's been a while since we've opened a brand new beer like yeah something we've never had before yeah that we've made and that's kind of exciting but today we are going to brew a goza just so just a simple pilsner malt uh, wheat extract, sour with lactoplantarum. Yep. Um, just co-pitch it with the neutral yeast. This is a technique that is in Milk the Funk. If you want to have a look at that, you can Google. Um, or you can send us an email. We're happy yeah, to we're happy have a to chat help. about it. If you want to look at a more Australian, especially sources for plantarum and <laughs> what we yeast we use and so on. But yeah, you co-pitch them basically and then when it's sour enough, you dry hop it and it yep. stops it souring and it's a really easy beer to make. Once, like, we thought it would be difficult and we put it off for a bit, but then we made, like, five sours in a row. I'm like, yeah. this is easy and these taste great. Yeah. And I still they, think... They're yeah. clean. Yeah, plantarum is an especially clean strain of lactose, so you get... Good nice, tartness. Yeah, good tartness. Um, you can really control the tartness well as well. We like our beers tartar, which is nice. Yeah. And 
Uh, doesn't hide, like doesn't overwhelm the fruit where that we usually put in, and we do use a lot of fruit. Though. Yes, <laughs> and it's also get this nice little lemony kind of thing going on. So today, fruit wise, went down the fruit shop. We bought a tray of mangoes because mm. everyone's special. So making a, a mango goza. Yeah, um, probably about a hundred grams a liter, maybe a bit more. Yeah, well, we've got we've got eighteen ish mangoes. They're decent size. The KP mangoes, don't know if that means anything, it's just... Yeah. I think it was just the cheaper mangoes yeah. at the store. They were, yeah, they were well priced and a lot of the time, and I think this is honestly how a lot of people should do it, especially home brewers, just go to your local greengrocer, see, see what, what's on yeah, sale. Because that's what's in season, that's what's good quality. Use more fruit, not the fruit you want kind of thing. Like yeah. Use what's available, not what you want to use. Well, but, our best sour ever was blackberries. Yeah. And that was, we went and picked them ourselves. Yeah, well, that was a special beer. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, but, we also made, uh, one of my favourites we've made is our kiwi fruit blender. Yeah, that was delicious. And that was just because kiwi fruits were incredibly so. cheap. A pain in the ass to... Uh... Yes, very much so. And I'm sure most fruit is, though. Raspberries, <laughs> berries are all right. Berries are easy. Yeah. Um, but there's a very limited window for berries. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think anyone who enjoys sours, take the leap into making kettle sours. It's probably one of the few things with brewery, home brewing that actually ends up being quite a bit cheaper. A lot cheaper. And because everyone says home brewing is cheaper, and I'm sure it is if you make the same thing every time. But And if you don't spend money on equipment all the time, yeah. it's like, oh, I want that toy. Which, which is like every home brewer does. Yeah. But kettle sours especially, like I think honestly... Probably the cheapest, most cost-efficient beers you can make if you're smart about it. And if you're making something like a five-liter batch, you could very easily do it with no equipment. Yeah, you, you need a pot. Yep, and a glass carboy. Don't something. even need to boil, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like you can get away with it if uh, you made a full extra, hundred percent extract. Yep, yep. Uh, probably not what we recommend for a first time, but no. it's such an easy thing to do. Like, you just need some, yeah, lacto, and you can use yogurt and. Stuff. Anything, if, anything you want. Greek yogurt, all. It's probably one yeah. of those things that's it's it's the easiest, probably the easiest thing to make. Almost like yeah. And as long as you kill your your kill the lacto at the right time. Yes, and that's really up to you. Yeah. You don't need a pH read or anything. You can do it. By we taste. do it. We tend to do it by feel because we know by now. Yeah, we have very much an idea of how long it's going to take. Yeah, we can roughly just sort at of, that temperature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can tell. But it's one of those things where you can kind of just... You can really customise it too. So if you like a really subtle tartness in your kettle sour, you can pull it out super early. Yeah. And it's it's really great like that because often we will have sessionable Australian sours and we will say, I like this, I just wish it was tartar. And yeah. we can so easily do that. It doesn't cost any more. It doesn't... No. Any more effort, really. It's it just, just changes when you dry hop it yeah. to kill your lacto culture. And it's a great little thing and... Um, yeah, should thank Devin Bell and Milk the Funk just for this co-pitching process because it's really, it's such a great way to yeah. make kettle sours and it just stops that whole having to leave your grain out overnight in a covered kettle, let the natural things. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's still a totally viable way of doing it, mind you. But Oh, absolutely. But it's yeah. a more labor Riskier, intensive. Riskier yeah. too. And, yeah. uh, the other thing with what we're brewing is sort of, you know, what we've brewed. Past tense, uh, we have our ESB, which we have cracked open. So we did put it on Shiraz chips. We did put it on uh, whiskey oak chips. 
We didn't put it on tea, we put it on cherries and raspberries because we had them and why not? We found a heap in the freezer and thought, yep. Let's do that. And then, so we've got the straight ESB here, which That's is That's the now, only one ready? Yes. Which has been bottle conditioned and looks quite good and, yeah. Colour's right, carbonation's right. <laughs> it's tasting better. Let it warm up a touch. Mm. Well, traditionally ESB would be served at... 10 to 12 degrees, I think. Yeah, so we probably got it about. It was too cold originally, but yeah. it's about right now. <laughs> it's getting there. And we used a... See, we're not... I can't remember what yeast we used, but it was generally... It was a fruitier kind of English yeast. It wasn't a dry English yeast, so... Because it was a White Labs one. Yeah, and we, we sort of underpitched a touch. So we were trying to get some fruity esters and things going, and I reckon... Well, we've got fruity esters there for sure. Mm. Um, the gypsum's added that classic hard, bitter English edge. The dry finish is perfect. So it was the White Labs English Ale Yeast, WLP002. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, that's the clean one, but it's not yeah. super dry. Yeah. yeah. It's not, not like necessarily an, an ESB yeast. Not like a Nottingham or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, not nece- it's more of just a general English pale ale yeast, I think, not necessarily an ESB yeast, but... I know I'm. I quite like this. I think for a first crack at a English style thing, um, also with our first water chemistry, yeah, sort of real fiddle. And I think that I'm very happy with the gypsum edition. It's got any person who's had an English bitter and is familiar would know the hardness. You talk about that the feeling you get at the back of your mouth. Bit of it's like it's like rough minerality. Yeah, that's quite, actually quite pleasant. And it's bang on. Yes, yeah. and that's kind of what we've nailed. I think it could probably do a bit more upfront bitterness. Yeah, I think so as well. So what did we do initially with the hops? Do you remember? So it was a pretty straight... There were no dry hop additions. A pretty straight addition of Fuggles and East Kent Goldings. Okay. And All at the start? No. Uh, so we kind of spread them out a bit, but maybe you want to go heavier at the start. Because you don't really want hop flavour. You just want bitterness. No. Um, you want malt flavour. And there is some bitterness, but there's not that big whack of bitterness mm. that I'd expect first up. And I think there's a touch, and uh, it's very drinkable. Yeah, malt's nice. I'm pretty happy with it. A little bit of toffee malt towards the end there. Yeah, yeah I, I really like it. And the, the colour's right, and yeah. I think most of it is right. I think with a very minor tweak, this will be a really nice ESB. And ESBs are it's a good style. It's a fun style, an enjoyable style. Handy to have around. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's one of those ones you... I, I personally very occasionally really feel like one. Same, and same. So yeah. I don't drink many, but no. when I want one, I really Nothing want one. can really substitute. No. It's a very certain type of beer. And first crack at English beer, if anyone, uh, any listeners have any English brewing tips or yeah. any favourite ESBs they reckon we should have a look at? Definitely get in touch. Yeah, we would love to because, um, you know, we're not super experienced in English beer, like a lot of younger craft drinkers, So, but we would like to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a lot of fun brewing the uh, ESB. One of my sort of craft life ambitions was to have a cask, proper cask ESB in London. Yeah. And I did. You did? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like something you would have done. And I, naturally, I did, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's great. It's so different to the quality we get here. Yeah. And the quality we get here isn't always bad in saying that. Like mm. it's, yeah. But it's just on a whole another level. Yeah. There's... Must be, yeah, something about it. You can't beat having a beer in its own environment. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's been what we're brewing and got a lot of fruit to chop up. So, <laughs> but we are off to it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna bottle those uh, other variants and probably report back next time. Yeah, I yeah at this rate, I imagine so. Back in a moment. Back with the uh, Desert Island Six Pack. Always an exciting segment. So we've gone for something. I guess we kind of tried to stretch ourselves a little bit here. We've done some easy ones. We've done some sort of layups. You some know, ones we like. Some half trackers. Yeah, this one. We very much enjoy these upcoming ones, but maybe they're not as you know prolific. Easily accessible. Maybe we haven't drank enough. Definitely of them. don't drink as many of them. Yeah, maybe not the kind of world-beating styles a lot of the time. So we sort of thought, hey, let's have a crack at something different. So you want to let us know what we're doing this week? Yep. So this time we're doing what we've called darker lagers, yeah. which is probably dark not... is probably like yeah, dark yeah. is where it's uh, yeah. <laughs> sort of important. Um, so we're doing we've probably gone a stretch of Vienna's where we've called dark. Yeah. Which is obviously not a dark lager, but it's maltier than sort of your Pilsners or your Euro lagers or anything Fits like in. that. Fits in. Last couple of podcasts, we've talked about Viennas a bit. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Vienna lager, amber lager, American red lager, uh, Euro dark, Munich dunkel. Yep. That's where we're at. <laughs> and anything that fits within that spectrum that may not be that exact style, like we, you kind of get the what you we're going. Get for. what we're going for. More malt forward lager as opposed to macro. Lager. And Schwartz beers as well. A Schwartz beers yeah. as well, and I think we included an alt beer. If I don't think I don't have one. I don't have one either. Yeah, but so we did include alt beer just, just because we case. weren't sure where else we'd put it. Yes, like, technically an ale, but it is lagered. Yeah, so it's one of those things. It's basically non-pale lagers but we're trying to not go any not no IPLs no sour lagers it's, yep. it's like we're really just going for sort of traditional lagers yes. that are darker yeah traditional non-pale styles I think that should make sense for everyone yes so as always we will call out if we have double ups and we'll I think this time going forward we'll try to number more clearly we, we generally are okay with that but yep just we'll try to say the number. This is not a ranking number, just so you know where we're at with our six-pack. Yep. As usual, if we're on a desert island, you have to drink it a lot, so we will take that into account that we're going to be drinking this regularly, not just like our six favourite beers necessarily. So do you want to kick it off, Angus? I'll kick it off. Um, this one was really easy for me, the first one. I've gone with Stara Praman's Cerny, or as you'd say in Czech, is Tamavi, which is a dark lager. Okay. Um, Czech dark lagers are actually where I got into craft beer. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is cool. I've got a distinct memory of having this beer on the rooftop of our hotel in Prague, looking at the astronomical clock. How awful. Uh, it was it was terrible. So when you went to the Czech Republic, yep. you weren't necessarily a massive craft beer guy? Not massive. Like I... Dabbled? Dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> James, I would buy James Squire. Sort of thing. But the dark lagers were what? Dark lager, I was suddenly like, oh, I like this. Hang on. Yeah, yeah hang on, I get this now. There's something going on here. Yeah. Um, and this is actually a macro bit, which yeah. I think people, like, especially in and the Czech I reckon Republic. we might have a few I think so. here because yeah. they, say what you want about macros, they are some of the few who do this style justice. Proper darker lagers. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so Star Apartment has about 15% of the Czech beer market, which is okay. the biggest beer market Which is in the impressive world. for a, such a pilsner market. Yeah. 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 Well, Star Apartment has the brewery, not not the dark. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they have a golden pilsner, which is just everywhere. But still, that's still, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just everything you want. Lower ABV as well. It's about 4%, this dark lager. That's good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, they don't have to be big. They're, they're meant to be sessionable, but just... Dark. Yeah. You, that's... So roast roast flavours, caramel flavours, but it's still crisp. And that's really what you're sort of looking for in this style. Like, it's not... I'm not really looking for, like, a, a bigger beer or necessarily. It's just different flavours. Yeah. And... I don't know. It may be something that people miss, or it may just be... I feel like it's something that is misunderstood from time to time. I think so. So I reckon that probably falls into Euro Dark Lager. Yeah. If anyone wants to, you know, to know where we're sitting Keep score, on yeah. It's black. <laughs> I will go with a... It's not actually a macro now that I think about it. It is a very prevalent beer in the country where it's from, and somewhat in Australia. Going with Monteith's Black Beer. I really thought about this. This is a black lager, dark lager. Five point, beer, I think. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, I mean, that's basically the same thing. It's all the yeah. same. <laughs> Which is the point of this yeah, segment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 5%, 5.2%. You get this really great like coffee. You get these really great stout characteristics yeah. in this smashable beer. And I think it's by far Monte's best beer. Oh, an absolute mile. Yeah, I have a soft spot for a couple of their beers, but by far, I would buy six packs of this and yep. never buy six packs of that stuff, realistically. Yep. And, yeah, it's just, it's one I drank a lot when I was younger. It's probably one of my formative beers. Yep. Um, and I still drink it to this day. And, yeah, I don't know. There's not there's not a lot to say about it if you've had a Montes Black beer, you know, but if you think black lager that really that those words sum it up really well because it's like you get this macro lager kind of smooth easy drinking consistency mm. but you get this coffee and chocolate yeah. that you just yeah it's why black lagers are so yeah it's kind of this beer was kind of the first thing that came to mind instantly yeah. when we thought of this i was just kind of like i have to do monte's black beer so yeah that's my first I had it, I couldn't quite squeeze it into my six, but it was one of the ones that popped to mind as like, yes. Yeah. And that's why, no, that's why we do this, especially with, um, you know, topics like this, we really want to try to learn our favorites from each other and for the listeners and yeah. So what's your number two? Well, seeing as you mentioned it earlier, I think I'll go with the goat beer. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And this was an honorable mention for me, so I should... So I think this is where we're going to start... Re- I'm going to butcher some names that are coming up yep. in my list. I won't know. Listeners may know. <laughs> so to give it its full name, it's Velka Popovici Kurzel Cerny. Or as we would call it here, Kurzel yeah. and Cerny, yep. which is dark. So I did, yeah, just call it the dark goat. The dark goat. The dark, and that, that is also a lower ABV option, I believe. 3.8%. Yeah, which I always, I always remember that because I was like... God, this is a lot of flavour. It's a brilliant beer. Like, you can... At 3.8%, you've got nowhere to hide any flaws. You know, like and Luckily, it's, it doesn't have any. It just doesn't have any. It's just so easy drinking. It's all that caramel malt, a bit of roast, a bit of coffee even. 
I, yeah, I sort of, I find it has less roast than a lot of dark lagers. It does. It's, but it's more like, it's got this kind of like currenty thing going on, which is even more which impressive. Which is part, part of the caramelly thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it all sort of blends into that caramel, fruity, yeah. It's and at 3.8, it's almost more impressive than having roast. Exactly. <laughs> um, the brewery dates to about the 14th, 15th century. Like okay. in this tiny town, like under a thousand people in the Czech Republic. That's impressive. And they have beer on the shelves in Dan Murphy's in Melbourne. I was going to say, yeah, five bucks for 500 mil. Yeah. It's like, you go get one, there's no excuse. Exactly. Uh, Just as an interesting fact I found out this morning um, when I was researching this, um, they've had a goat since the 1970s and they keep passing down the name of the original goat Ah. to the mascot. And there's an actual goat you can go visit at the brewery called Older. So the brewery is open. Yep, yeah. brewery is open. Uh, Have to add it to the travel list one day. Yeah, I think it's not that far from Prague. It's no excuse. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's um, a great call from you, and again, one that I, I, I don't know why I didn't have it on there. It's one of those things. It's just a gut feel thing in the end. Like, At the end of the day, it's each personal preference, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um. So I mean, this is probably the one that knocked it off really because it was sort of again I was thinking about Dan's and mm-hmm. uh, following on from last time I'm going to go with Dog Balsa which I believe is a, a Munich Dunkel yeah I would call it that yeah um, I've got it in my honourable mentions I couldn't quite squeeze it in um, and that's the nostalgia pick if you will yeah and I guess for me it's, it's that and it's also again formative yeah and it's formative in a different way because, you know, you get started, you have pale ales, you have IPAs and stuff, but it's kind of like what you said about your, you know, experience in the Czech Republic. It's when you have a beer that is truly interesting. Like, I've not really had much like this before. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, this is a big brewery, it's Matilda Bay, and like, I've kind of written off a lot of their stuff, and it's just like, I have this coming in four packs, and it's just like, hang on, this is doing something really interesting. Yeah. Like, this is not something that you see other breweries doing. Which and Makes us all the sadder that it's gone. Yeah, and um, it's... Yeah, that is sad because it's sort of one of those beers that I'll have to have a soft spot for and for that reason I couldn't not put mm. it on here. So... I, I was tossing up between two for this for the last spot on my list, so we'll save that for... Yeah, well, that's my second anyway. I don't have a lot to say about it that I didn't say in the last podcast. You can go back to that and listen to our Red Back segment if you're intrigued on my thoughts on Dog Bolter, but... It's, I'm very fond of that bit. I reckon there's a sneaky chance this is the fourth podcast out of five that we've mentioned at least Matilda Bay, if not Dog Bolter. Well, I mean, we had no crossovers last time, and I thought we would have heaps here, so let's let's see where we're going with this. Uh, well, again, we've three. had them in the um, sort of the honourable mentions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this one, I'm 100% sure, is not going to be a crossover. Okay. Um, so I'm going back to the Czech Republic again. Yep. Uh, for you Medvedku's Old Got Barique. Now, this is a 550-year-old brew pub <laughs> in Prague, um, and it's listed on all of these sort of travel yeah. things. You have to go here and have a beer. There's a famous one, which I think is called 33, which is a black and tan, basically, but dark lager and straight lager. Yeah. Which they do a lot in the Czech Republic, and it's really good. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah. That would be my preferred black and tan than porter and pale ale. Absolutely. Like, it sounds better. And it is better. Far more drinkable. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Off topic. Um, This, I think you'd call an amber lager. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it being dis. We're going back five years. Yes. So it's very brief untapped notes and yeah, you know, and a memory. But it's stuck in my mind. The malts were really spicy. Okay. I like don't peppery. I don't remember if it's a rye spiciness or if it's some sort of um, herbal additive or something. Yeah. But I remember just spicy malts, good bitterness, a really nice lager. And that's yeah. And in the setting and all of that, like it's it just... does help. But it's still you got to if you remember this far ahead, it's not just the setting. I remembered the the spicy one at Umedviku, and I went back through my untapped, <laughs> found the one where I was talking about spicy malts, and so there that's we, the it, one it, we've come out here. Um, and I reckon I could have drunk that all day. I'm sure, like. Some listeners who have been to Prague will have, yeah, will identify with that and be like, I know the one he's talking about. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a good one to have on there. Uh, so I'm going to go with one. Oh. Is this your third? Yes. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my neck out and say you should have this on your list, but I'm not sure if you will. Uh, it's Wine Stefano's Traditional. So they're Notable Munich, Munich Dunkel Lager. Um... <laughs> So this, when I bought this beer first, it seems like a lot of these beers are like, you know, early beers for me, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what it was. I thought traditional meant it was their straight lager. Mm. Uh, so I bought this and I couldn't really see because the bottle's dark yep. and poured it out. I'm like, dark label. Yep. I'm like, okay. And again, this is kind of like the Kozel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not super roasty. It's more just like caramel. Yep. Touch of bitterness, super drinkable and, you know, wine Stefano. It's a beautiful beer. It's just an incredibly well-made Munich Dunkel lager. Yep. And um, I couldn't not put it on there because, you know, it's just... I'm a big Weinstefana fan, like, in terms of traditional breweries that are not alternatively flavoured. Mm-hmm. So not soured or yep. not... Uh, just traditional mainstream Not smoky else. beers, yeah. Although we can't say wheat beer's mainstream anymore in Australia. <laughs> No, I think Wine Savannah is borderline mainstream. <laughs> they get away with it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that, I had to have that on there, and then that's a beer I love and a brewery I love. This is the last one where I think I'm going to butcher the name. And this is four? This is four. This is the Valmier Musia Tumsais. Okay. This is a Latvian microbrewery. Um, had in Latvia? Had it in Estonia. Oh, okay. So, may as well be the same thing. Yes, but, yeah. You know. I don't say that. Sorry to any of our listeners. I had this at a restaurant in Tallinn, in the old town. Um, it was a pretty gross day in Tallinn. It was just sticky. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, and it really stuck in my memory. It's a dark lager. Um, lots of fruit in this one. Dark fruits, sort of like what we were talking about yeah. earlier. So like um, currents, bit like of figs, or, oh, fig, yeah, figs dates. And dates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, carrot. alcohol. Do you know? Uh, f- bigger, five six or something yeah. like that. So bigger, but not big. Still, yeah. <laughs> Tumsais is the Latvian word for the same as tamavi. Like it's all the it's all the same root. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, which is the dark. Yes, yeah. Just means dark. Um, and I actually took the glass from this Italian restaurant. And I've had a took ever or since. Bought? Uh, asked to buy. Was this and they the, said, this take. one you bartered for? Or? They just said take. Okay. They were like, that's fine, they'll get yeah. more. 
They're like, go <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah. The brewery's really cool though. They've, they like set out, I think they're one of the first microbreweries, like craft microbreweries yep. in Latvia. And, and they were just like, we're trying to f- change Latvian taste buds. Any small brewery that's doing Viennas, darker lagers, yep. we can get behind. That's, exactly. Yeah. Sorry that I butchered your name horribly. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. Yes. <laughs> um, I will knock one out that I again think this is number four. Yep. And I do not think you will have this because um, it is a very small release from Mornington while we're talking about supporting <sighs> local. This is their New Zealand Black Pilsner. No. Uh, hopped with Nelson Sabon. Mm-hmm. Um, Get this wonderful mix of so this was at the brewery this year I want to say but early uh, been around a bit there's a few kegs gone around yep. it is roast with Sav Blanc characteristics it's like smoky passion fruit uh, under 5% from memory it's just got a lot going on I really thought about a similar brewery release that I had from them which was their Vienna Lager Oh yeah, didn't quite make the cut, but again, but still, yeah, yeah, beautiful beer. They they are one of the best lager producers in Australia. Yes, their straight lager is criminally underrated. Yeah. And All of their beers are criminally criminally underrated. As we've discussed you're previously. On a long, yeah, I was going to say if you're on a long flight, every time we call Mornington underrated <laughs> and say that Matilda Bay isn't that bad, I think you should take a drink and then you won't get off your flight at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this this New Zealand Black Pilsner was just a one of those ideas where I'm, they're probably like, what do we have? Okay, we have a bunch of New Zealand hops and some, you know, chocolate malt and stuff. And like, what are we going to do? Oh, black, like a black pills. Black <laughs> pills. Dry hopped with New Zealand hops. But I thought this really worked against all odds. It doesn't necessarily sound like it'll work, but it's one of those things that Mornington can do it. And it was great. And um, it seems we've got a bit of love in the small pockets it's released in. And I'm happy including it on here. And, as we spoke about earlier when discussing the criteria, I think it's pretty safe to say that Black Pilsner is... Oh, yeah. It's, it's a dark uh, lager. Yes, exactly. And where else is it going to go? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's fair to say we're not going to have a desert six-pack of Black Pilsner. Yes. Well, hopefully, one day. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, number five for you. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Um... Part of the reason I wanted to include Vienna Lager in this thing was to include this beer, um, which is the Burnley Brewing Lager. And I also have this. And I should add that I only had this for the first time two and a half hours ago. Yep. Uh, And it instantly knocked one off my list. I've been talking about this to you for maybe a month. Yeah. And I was sort of, I was vaguely sceptical, but I came around, it's a really good beer and um it's brilliant honestly i'd go as far to say if you want a modern craft example of a vienna lager not to steal your thunder sorry but uh this is available yeah and get it yeah buy it tell them you like it we spoke about burnley doing more old school methods with their wheat beers we did and i think this is a lean towards that obviously not a wheat beer well again he brewed he learned his brewing in germany yeah and Germany makes proper lager. Yes. And, yeah, sorry. And say this, what you want to say about this. I just wanted to mention that, yeah, this is... If you want an idea of how good it was, it knocked one off my list. And yeah. I it for the first time, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's superb. Like, you've got that savoury biscuity character that you'd want from a, a Vienna lager. 
big whack of bitterness, and it's all traditional hops. Yeah, noble hops. So yeah, I think I assume Sars, Sars, Tetanang, and something else. I, I actually don't. There know. are three. I, I did. I didn't look. I just assumed for noble. Uh, hops. I think you're right, though. Yeah. So would you? My feel was that it was like a lager DSB. That was like what I. Oh, got it's got from. that bigger malt body, but that's yeah. what a Vienna lager is. And the whack of bitterness was yeah. the main thing that sort of got it for me. It's so clean. Yeah. I don't think I can give it higher praise than saying that I've been craving lager. Yes. Like, since I had the first one. We were speaking about slabs of things we would buy before. Yeah. Hypotheticals. We don't buy slabs much. Rarely. Very rarely. I bought a slab of Roden back like a year ago. Yeah. that was... Have you bought a slab since then? Was that the last slab either of us bought? I bought... It wasn't for an event? I bought two slabs for Australia Day. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Of Hawkers. Hawkers, XBA and and lager. lager. But we were... (laughs) uh, Angus was saying I would buy a slab of this. And that's... Yeah. That's incredibly high price. It is. And I'm sure like most single buying six pack ruining craft beer drinkers understand. Exactly what we're saying here. Yes. It's it's a big thing to say. Uh so my last one. Mm. Um it is uh so it's Hawkers, it's Edge, Evil Twin, it's Bad Brewing, it's Kaiju, it's inappropriate touching. I like it. The Gab's beer yep. from 2013. It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I started my new job at 161 Cellars, they, she had a bunch of bottles of this just laying around and I took them all and drank them all and was very impressed. It's a Schwartz beer. Yep. And this would have had a couple of years on at this stage, but it was delicious. It's incredibly good. And you could tell it was just... I imagine, from what I've heard, the brewers were not in the best shape doing this. They had had a big night, and this was... Sounded... That's the story I've heard as well. Yeah, hence the name. Yeah. And it tastes like incredibly talented brewers stuffing around and making an awesome dark lager. Yeah. Just being like, what do we want to do? Like, I don't know, we're smashed. Let's just do a dark lager. And it's a bloody good Schwartz beer, and... Bring it back. Get everybody together. Get these six (laughs) brewers back together and... I honestly can't believe we've only had one doubler. Mm. In the style we were genuinely worried about. And um, I was very surprised to see that you didn't have that. At, well, maybe it was pre-untapped for you. Maybe. Which one? The inappropriate Yeah. Touching. No, it was on the list. Didn't oh, okay. quite get didn't there. Didn't quite get there, yeah. Yeah. I was hoping because that was sort of the big Australian one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, it's quite old though. So. Speaking of Australian though, Give us oh, last I'm just year. genuinely shocked you didn't have this on. <laughs> Um, maybe the one that Burnley knocked off if it's what I'm thinking of Barrow Boys yeah it is Um, as I've said previously just such a shame this is gone so Um, sorry let me just say quickly before you get into this I'm not going to interrupt you further but the reason is because I gave Barrow Boys the amber spot yep and so I thought which one has to go for the Burnley because one of them does and it was just Barrow Boys had already got a spot so Fair enough. Yep. Fair enough. Um, I just think it was so bold. This is the beer they launch with. Yes. Ha- who launches with a dark lager? And look where they are now. Well, <laughs> which is such a shame. I'm sorry. That's not a very nice thing to say. <laughs> but anyway. Like, yes. oh, who launches with a darker lager? No. Uh, In Australia. A good brewery. Yeah. And that's, yes. One producing a seriously good beer. I don't know what you call it. Amber? They said it was a Vienna lager. Yeah, it wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> I think it's a amber lager. More caramel malts. Yeah. Um, 
none of that biscuity character you'd expect, but like the hopping was good. I think it's the most alcoholic beer in their core range. I'm pretty sure that is actually the case. I wouldn't be surprised. It's five, six. Or, yeah, yeah, maybe a touch below, but yeah. I think it's a touch more alcoholic than their pale and definitely yeah. more alcoholic than good times. It's a three beer core range, I yeah, should yeah. say, but also having your biggest beer be a lager is bold. I thought it was a straight lager. I took it to yep. my partner's parents' house one night. And we poured it out, and I was like, oh, it's not. Oh. He, he loved it. He loved oh, really? It. Yes. That's good. And um, he was just like, oh, I wish, you know, more sort of... Because he, he doesn't call them... Yes. And he uh, doesn't call them, you know, lagers. He says, I wish more beers had flavour like this. Yeah. And um, there is a certain issue with men um, that age. And yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my partner's dad normally isn't too bad, he, he drinks a few lashes. Oh, that's... Um, it's a good start. Yeah, message me to say the Bolter Pills and I left at his house is very nice. Oh, well, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian Walker thinks so. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that's... um, It's a very approachable... Yeah. ...was what I'm going to say. And then, yeah. Was there any sort of memories you had with it, picking it up? Or was it more just like, were you pleasantly surprised at any point? Or was it more you knew what it was? And... I remember having it with Ash the Brewer yep. at the time. At True Brew. When Is he that like Colonial? Or, yeah, yeah. Some, I feel it's Colonial. Maybe Felons. As he moves on again. He could have. One of them did. Yeah, He anyway, moves so, around a bit. Yeah. Um, I remember being at True Brew when he bought the first keg in. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, you can't really say no in that situation. Had some and fuck, it was good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been a fan ever since. Like, And it's, yeah. And I Dark bought... Lagers are so, uh, were a big thing for me getting into craft as a whole so it would have been one of the first australian ones there's not many earlier well there's there's not many full stop like (laughs) i i would have bought a slab when i heard they were going under if i could find any yeah but it is you know the one the one beer of theirs that is that sold out all the time and i think that was the problem for them yeah i just don't know if they could make enough and yeah yeah i would just quickly like to mention a couple more beers yeah sure do you have any to mention? Maybe one or two. Cool. <laughs> um, I'd like to mention FS Dark. Yes. Because yes. Turkish? Turkish. Well, yes. That is a nice beer. I don't know if I've untapped that. I've had it. I Pretty untapped, I think. I just have such fond memories of finding it in Turkey and being like, oh, thank God I don't have to have my 40th FS of the day. It's kind of like finding two years old when you're out in the country. Like, normally you'd be like, eh, but then you're out in the country and it's like Great Northern, yeah. super dry, or you're just like, oh, thank God there's two years old on top. Uh, it was just, it was one of these beautiful moments. It was like, oh my God, thank God it's not FS. Two years old is an honourable mention for me. Yeah. It is not a great beer, but... By God, it is better than the options you get when you go to a pub that has two years old on tap. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. The one thing I will say, it's in a clear bottle. Yes. And I don't think they actually make it anymore. I think they've changed to something else. Ah. Yeah. I have, haven't been to a poorly Turkish serviced... Oh, sorry, FS. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going on two Oh, old. No, yeah, old no. is made all yeah, the time. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I they, they're never killing old. Um, you know, FS I haven't seen in a while. I go to a Turkish restaurant quite a bit that stocks yep. FS and I haven't seen Dark for a bit. Yeah. Um, no, I think they've gone to a Hadn't thought thing. about it deeply, but wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I did not mention just then. No. That was mine. Yeah, but I had twoies. 
Okay, that, right. that counts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do. Um, I'm going to mention the 1516 Bavarian Dunkel, which was a Munich dark lager that I had at their brew pub. 1516 is the brewery. 1516 is the brewery. The... Purity Law year? Yep, yep. exactly. Uh, and it's in... So I think one way. It's in Vienna. Oh. In Austria. Worst place to have a Vienna Lager. Oh, it was awful. Dad, Is uh, it actually a good place to have a Vienna Lager? I should ask that. You, you've been there. Uh, all the Vienna Lagers I had were macro and not great. Mm. Uh, that's actually unfair. I had one that almost made the cut, um, which was at a brewery directly under the palace there called Sam. S A L M. Yeah. Um, and look, it was good, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't particularly memorable. Like You're it was. A, it was a nice lager. After we've just said, you know, go to this source, and it's like, just don't go to Vienna for Vienna. <laughs> well, like I, I'm sure if I went now, I would go look yeah, harder. You'd probably find, but it's also. But like their macro lagers are Vienna lagers, most of them. Okay. Uh, not a bad thing, but also if they're not great. Like they're a bit maltier. They're, they're, they're better than our macro lagers. Yes. But they're not exceptional. Which is kind of the point I was getting to with, you know, two years old. So I'm going to go with, I was just looking up the name quickly, the Dark Horse Schwartz, which is a fun thing to say. Dark Horse Where's Schwartz. Where's that from? Red Hill. Oh, yeah. This was Gabspear. It was. Yes. I very vaguely remember this. Yeah, and I had it in a very small bottle run they did. Yep. Uh, and I thought it was really nice. Good. It's really, it's honestly, there's so little to say about it. It is chocolate, coffee, it is a classic Schwarzbier. Yep. It uses all German hops yep. that they grow at Red Hill. So it yep. was in great condition when I had it. I actually got an Otter's Promise. Oh, cool. Um, and he said, like, I have, like, a six-pack. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, I bought one bottle, so yeah. I couldn't tell that. Um, but honestly, yeah, it's just cool label, which is why I bought it. Sticking with Schwarzbier yep. as a theme. I'm actually going with the Gouden or Gouden yep. Schwarzbier, which is, um, we mentioned Marty, our friend's um, dad's brewery in Vietnam. Oh, yes. A I few did. weeks yes, ago. Yes, yes, um, This is a phenomenal Schwarzbier. Like, Vietnamese people are drinking this when it's 35 degrees. Oh, that was that one you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's a really superb shorts for you. So, and it works in humid conditions, which all, is just... All praise to you. Indeed. <laughs> but anything that is dark and works in humid conditions is clearly well made. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the ones we've been talking about. Because, I mean, you say you say desert island. <laughs> yeah. I, I always think of it as, like, what do I want to smash in 30 degrees? Like, And that's a beer that I was actually thinking about purely for that reason. Yeah. That I would drink a lot of that. And, you know, you kind of get the concept and the, the actual six favourite beers of the yeah. style gets mixed up a bit, but uh, we might have to change it to uh, Winter Island surrounded by rickety ice when we do porters and things. And stouts. So. Yeah. But for now, that was fun. That was, that was all right. That was, that was better than I thought it would be. It's... I hope for listeners it was not too bad. This was meant to be a slightly trickier one for us. It wasn't meant to be us gushing. Which is probably why we've talked for so long about it. Yeah. And it wasn't meant to be like everything is awesome. Like here's a quick sort of breakdown of why it's awesome. It was meant to be a bit more of a reason and hopefully you understand why we want to do this. And It's one of those styles that doesn't get enough love. No. But I feel everyone will have a favourite. Or at least a fond memory. Yeah. Somewhere. Something that they can hopefully 
pick into where we yeah we were coming from. And please, honestly, piano lager suggestions, dark yeah, feedback. Yeah, this is one of those times we really would like feedback. Tell us yours, yeah, because we want to know. We want to drink them, <laughs> and we're really enjoying all the emails we're getting. Yeah, so it's it's always much appreciated. So thanks very much. We'll be back shortly in our last segment, which is Dylan Zeller. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Just about done. And gonna switch things up a little bit today. Uh, Angus has been very kind to pull things out of his cellar consistently. So I thought I would pull one out of my meager cellar. So the main just to just to ramp up in you know intrigue even more. I, I mostly wanna hear I know you have a bit of a history with this brewery and I would want an excuse for you to talk about it. Okay. So, um, also, <laughs> I thought, concerns me. <laughs> also, I thought perhaps uh, we've had too many good beers. So, let's have something we might hate. Okay. Okay. So, what I've got for us today is Red Ducks Big Licky. Okay. Imperial Licorice Stout. Okay. Do we know when this one was brewed? July, uh, released July 2016. Okay. Somewhat stable. Uh, has not exploded. That's a really good start for a Red Duck beer. Yeah, so this came... They have their licorice lager. Yes. Called Licky. And which I've had and enjoyed. Yeah, and they just decided, hey, let's just turn this into an Imperial Stout and release it. And it was only released once. Yep. Um, reasonably solid feedback from what I heard. Okay. And, yeah, Red Duck are just uh, a very sort of... Interesting breweries. This is... Divisive? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So yeah, 8% made with licorice root, sarsaparilla root, and aniseed myrtle. Uh, I don't know what the third one is. I assume it's a relative of lemon myrtle. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we just cracked it, so I guess we'll give it a bit of a taste. And Smells amazing. Yeah, not too much licorice on the nose. It's more like a, a subtle kind of, like a Vicks Vapor Rub kind of thing going on, like a mentholy. Very much a lemon myrtle and mm. aniseed thing going on. Look, that's actually pretty... It's pretty nice, actually. There's not... Yeah, it's not aniseed bomb. There there's, is a, there's aniseed there, but yeah. it's not massively dominant. I'm getting a bit of menthol, to be honest. Like, it's on the palate, too. It's like that... Yeah. It has to be a lemon myrtle. Yeah, it must be a myrtle thing. And just using the natural ingredients. Um... Bit of malt. Fair bit of malt. It's yeah. actually quite drinkable. Surprisingly. Yeah. Maybe the two and a half years has done it good. I imagine if we've got as much menthol as we do now, that it would have been undrinkable when it was released. Yeah, or it's developed. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I would have thought that flavour would mellow, but I don't. I could, I could definitely. Yeah. I could definitely be wrong. I, I don't, yeah, I don't dislike this though. Um, what was, so I, I sort of, I cracked this because I know you have a bit of a history with Red Duck. Um, so, you know, I'd like sort of overall broad thoughts. I know beers we've had have been up and down. Inconsistent. Yeah. So I think what I would, I think they release stuff that I wouldn't release. Mm. They always reminded me of a, a less consistent Moondog and that's saying something. <laughs> It's hard to be less consistent than Moondog. Although they're improving. 
Yep. And also, I think Red Duck are in a similar sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Red Duck do try things all the time as well. Yeah, and I do appreciate that. I don't see their beer as much as I used to. No, neither. I wonder if that's a consistency thing. Yeah, they have a big core range. They do have a fairly big size brewery too. They make a lot of beer. Yeah. I, they must have a good following. Like, I would assume so. Because yeah. they're also from Ballarat. Ballarat, yeah. yeah. So it's not close, really. Like, it's close as far as a lot of beer goes. But in terms of, like, being lo- stocked locally, they're a fairly small brewery. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, I've, I've quite enjoyed some of Red Duck stuff, personally. Absolutely. I've, I've had beers of theirs I really like. Yeah. I think there's definitely good brewers there. According to Untapped, they've got 169 beers. Yep, that doesn't surprise me. That's a lot. Yeah, this is um surprisingly tasty, and I think it has a fairly decent, again, not the BL and Endor, but fairly decent untap rating, 100-ish ratings, I think it's 3.8 or something. Okay. So, licorice is quite a divisive flavour. Very. So that is a pretty good sign. Um, yeah, I, I was sort of cracking this, sort of hoping that... I mean, I'm never going to drink it by myself, was the one thing. And no. So, I don't know, I thought it might not be that good, but I think it's pretty good. It's far better than I expected it to be. Mm. When, when you pulled it out, I was like, oh dear. <laughs> Here we go. That um, was kind of what I was going for. But, no, there's aniseed. So there's... It reminds me a bit of a foreign extra start with like a bit of like it is dry. botanicals. And, it yeah. is dry, and then there's some... Menthol and... Drinks pretty well for 8%, I've got to say. Very easily. Yeah. Really. I think it's that aniseed-y, menthol thing that it really lifts it up a lot. So you get the roast, you get the coffee, but it kind of gets lifted up at the end by this um, herbal botanical characteristic, which I don't know what to call, but yeah. Yeah, aniseed and menthol is yeah. what I think I'd go with. Like, there's just... That's cool. Like, it's very cool different. Cool is a good word. It's yeah. kind of red duck at To the, a T. Yeah. yeah, but also at the good side of red duck where yeah. they try something and like, hey, this is actually pretty balanced. This works. This is aged fairly well. Um, I'd be intrigued to try, try a fresh one, but I reckon this is probably... A one-off. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I also think this is probably... A bit of time has done this some good. I, I would assume so. I think that... Menthol probably would have been overpowering. Yeah. So we've got a bit of a new system we want to try out. So we've got a very simple rating system, but just to give this segment a bit more something to go towards so you can kind of a final thought. So we've got three different sort of rating parameters we're gonna go by. Or not parameters, but you know, end results. So you can go thumbs up, needs time, or thumbs down. So thumbs up is it's quality. We've pulled it out at a decent time. And, you know, it's a bit of age, he's done it well, because mostly yep. we're going with age beers here, so. Um, needs time is obviously what it says. It's a, we either pulled out too late, too early. Yep. But I think the, you know, the sort of qualifier for that is that we have to have an idea that it will improve for a reason. Yep. And the thumbs down is just if we can't see it being better or maybe it's never been a good beer. Yep. Um, or like it, it, this may be our fault. This is not necessarily pointing at the brewer because this is a very. This it is a could have just been something that shouldn't have been cellared. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of why this thing's fun. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try to... We roughly know when we've bought stuff. If the brewers don't have dates, like yeah. we can find out. So this is two and a half years old, and I think I would say it's drinking well. So I think for me, I would probably say this gets a thumbs up. I think I'd give it a thumbs up as well. I, I can't... I didn't have it fresh, but I can't imagine it tasting better than this now. I yeah. think a lot of those flavours would have needed to mellow. Yes. I think this developed nicely. Into something that's quite drinkable. Yes. And um, interesting and... Yeah, there's not really... I'm happy you cracked it. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> against all odds. And... Yeah, I guess Red Duck's been a bit quieter as far as we've seen, but... um, I will... They're bigger beers, you know. Might put one away at this point. I think so. But, um... I'll definitely check out some of their stuff next year. Yeah. Assuming they... <laughs> I'm still there. Get some, yeah. So I think that's that's us done. And once again, that beer was Red Duck's Big Licky from uh, July 2016, 8% licorice stout. But I think that just about does us for today because we still have quite a bit left to do today. In terms, A lot of, of fruit to cut. Yes, a lot of mangoes <laughs> to chop up. Uh, as always, you can get in touch at gus.norris7 at gmail.com. We much appreciate everybody listening and we will no doubt be back soon. Might have... Different format in December, we might not. We'll see how we go, but we'll try to be as on time as we have.